This podcast is a production of Schweitzer, a United Methodist Church, transforming lives by making disciples of Jesus Christ. First part of the question is, what's an important lesson your parents taught you, and how did they teach it? That's the second part. What's an important lesson they taught you, and how did they teach it? I would say honesty probably comes into mind first. And I can remember my dad saying, don't ever tell a lie because it shows all over your face. You'll never get away with it. Probably to always finish something that you start um, and probably just with homework and, you know, finishing projects. You know, if you sign up for a sports event, you got to go and finish it, that kind of thing. Um, stealing. Uh, don't steal. Um, I, I got caught stealing one time and my mom made me go in and return it and tell them I was sorry and all that good stuff. So, uh, They taught me to help other people whenever you can, and they taught it by example. Be happy with what you have and don't throw a fit, because, you know, that's not going to get you anywhere in life. Good morning. Welcome to worship today. It's great to see you, and it's a uh... to be gathered together as we continue on this journey of generation to generation. We've been uh, thinking about generation to generation because we, we realize that there's a calling upon all of us to, to live out the faith and to, to follow after Christ and to do that in such a way that the next generation uh, really receives um, what, what God has for them in, in a sense of receiving that, that they need to have an example lived out for them and they need to come to the place where they don't just... Uh, receive an inheritance from us, but they receive a sort of legacy from us. Uh, there's uh, an author by the name of, uh, oh, I'm going to forget his name right now. What's he say? Reggie Joyner. Reggie Joyner is uh, an author, and he's, he's worked in kids. He says this. He says, an inheritance is something you leave for your kids, and a legacy is something you leave in them. And when we think about from generation to generation, one of the things that uh, we all face, regardless about where we're at in our age, is, is the reality that we're not always going to be around. And there are things that we need to pass along to somebody else who's coming behind us so that they can walk in, in a way and live in a way and live a life that is good and beautiful and that continues to create a good and beautiful world. Um, one of the people we're going to be listening to today is, is a guy by the name of Joshua. Joshua was the leader of the people of Israel that uh, came after Moses. And so if you know the first five books of the Old Testament are, are composed of or written by Moses or some editors that, that came after Moses, but Moses is sort of the person that gives them the material. The person who follows Moses is Joshua. Joshua lived a, a fantastic life, was able to be a subordinate of Moses along the way, got to learn all kinds of things from Moses, got to hang out in the tent where, where God came and met with Moses. There was this tent that got constructed. Once the people of Israel left Egypt, there was this tent that Moses had built, and it was where God would come down, and Moses would go in and, and meet with God in that place, and they would have conversation about what was happening in the life of the people of Israel and how their journey was going in the desert. And Joshua was assigned that tent to be his sleeping quarters. I mean, if, if you want to have one unique place to, 
to hang your hat and to sleep. That was it. Joshua got to hang out there. And then Moses came to the point of being 120 years. It was time for the children of Israel to move from the desert into the promised land. And Moses was gathered up to his fathers. That is the biblical way or the ancient way of saying that Moses died. And so he dies and somebody's got to step up and take the leadership. And so Joshua steps in. Uh, Joshua chapter 1 opens the story the full-fledged story of Joshua. And it's a story of, of the children of Israel moving from the desert and into the promised land that God gave them. But it's a story in many ways that uh, is, is part of our story. It's a story, on the one hand, of people being uh, afraid, people being a little bit unsure, people thinking about what's ahead but not really knowing how they're going to engage it. And it's a story of God. Because God comes to Joshua in the opening pages of Joshua chapter 1. And he says, Joshua, I want you to be strong and courageous. In fact, God doesn't just say that to Joshua, expecting that Joshua will, will somehow have inner strength and inner fortitude and inner courage. No, but God comes to Joshua and like, um, well, like Christmas morning, I don't want to say Santa Claus because Santa Claus doesn't, you know, put the gifts under the tree. But, I mean, somebody puts the gifts under the tree. But there are gifts that God brings to Joshua and, okay, <laughs> there are gifts that God brings to Joshua. Strength and courage. Strength and courage. And so when God says to Joshua, be strong and courageous, the, these are gifts that he actually takes up or he opens and, and he lives into. And so over the course of the book of Joshua, you find Joshua being strong and courageous. You also find him at moments not being so strong and not being courageous. And God has to come back and, and the people of Israel aren't. And God says, okay, well, we stumbled along the way. But, but like any good football team or baseball team that struggles, you know, they get back up. And they find that God is faithful and they continue to march on. And so Joshua too comes to that same place as Moses where he's going to be gathered to his father's. He's, he, knows that, uh, he knows that his journey in this world is not going to last much longer. He knows the people of Israel are at a real turning point in life. And so he calls for a family gathering. And when I, he calls for a family gathering, it's not just like his immediate family, but it's like everybody. And he picks this important place within the life of Israel. This place is called Shechem. It's a town. It's a town that we seldom hear about, but it's a very important town because it has all kinds of meaning within, within Israel's past, within their story. Shechem is a place where God first met Abraham. And when God first met Abraham, his name was Abram. But that's where God made this promise. He called out Abraham's name, and he said, Abram, I want you to follow me. And if you follow me, I'm going to make three promises to you. I'm going to make your name just a second. Okay, you got me, Grant? Okay. Um, so he said, Abraham, I'm going to make three promises to you. I'm going to promise to make your name great. I'm going to promise to give you this land that you're journeying in. And I'm going to promise to give you children greater than the stars in the heavens. And so when Joshua calls the people to Shechem, he's calling them to this place that God has has spoken to in the past, where he's, he's made promises. And the promises are being fleshed out. They're being seen by everybody who's there. 
The second thing that happens at Shechem, it's another story within the book of Genesis where Jacob has married a couple of, of women, and actually he's, he's got four different women in his life. That's, that's a lot of women in, in one guy's life, uh, probably three too many. Um, and, uh, but, and they all came from a, a foreign land, and when they came with Jacob, they all came with different gods, with little idols. Um, it's interesting, the songs that we sang this morning talked about how God is the only God, God is the God above all gods, because the reality is, is that the women that Jacob married had other gods. They had a number of different idols. And Jacob came to Shechem too, and they took those idols and they buried them because they said, we want to follow the living God, the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, the God who speaks, the God who leads, the God who is with us. And so given that sort of contextual background, Let's hear what, what um, Joshua has to say as he calls this family gathering. He says this, Joshua summoned all the tribes of Israel to Shechem, including their elders, their leaders, their judges, and officers. So they came and they presented themselves to God. Joshua said to the people, This is what the Lord, the God of Israel, says. Long ago your ancestors, including Terah, the father of Abraham and, and Nahor, lived beyond the Euphrates River, and they worshipped other gods. But I took your ancestor Abraham from the land beyond the Euphrates, and I led him into the land of Canaan. I gave him many descendants through his son Isaac. To Isaac I gave Jacob and Esau. To Esau I gave the mountains of Seir, while Jacob and his children went down into Egypt. Then I sent Moses and Aaron, and I brought terrible plagues on Egypt, and afterward I brought you out as a free people. Now, to the reader of this story, they might think that Joshua is a, is a really good history teacher, that he's going back over the pages of Israel's story. But he's doing more than that. He's telling the story, but he's telling the story in such a way that he's saying, uh, as we reflect on our story together, on the story of our lives, one of the things that we recognize as a people is that God has been leading us and calling us, and God has been with us. And... And he's been with us to the point where he's brought us back to this place of Shechem. It's a very important spot. In fact, four different times, Joshua will look into the past and he says, we see God here and here and here and here. Those are important realities for us to live with. Because as we see God in the past, frequently, time and time and time again, there's something that we can hang our hat on. There's some reality that we can have deep in our beings. And the reality is, is that God walks with our ancestors, has walked with our ancestors. And if he's walked with them, then he'll walk with us too. And so with that sort of confidence and certainty, that courage and strength, Joshua, as he recounts those four, he'll come to this second part, which is verses 14 and 15. So he comes to the point of today. So fear the Lord and serve him wholeheartedly. Put away forever the idols your ancestors worshipped when they lived beyond the Euphrates River and in Egypt. You see, he's pointing, not, he's pointing back to a cross where Abraham came from, and he's pointing to the experience that they had in Egypt where there were different idols in both places. And he says this, serve the Lord alone, the Lord who speaks, the living God. But if you refuse to serve the Lord, then choose today whom you will serve, would you prefer the gods your ancestors served beyond the Euphrates? Would it be the gods of the Amorites in whose land you now live? But as for me and my family, we will serve the Lord. 
So thinking about the whole idea of generation to generation, you know, what is it that we'd like to pass along? How is it that we would like to encourage people to follow in the way of Christ? Joshua does a couple of really important things. He recounts the story of the people of Israel, where he says, we know that God has been faithful. And so he tells the story, and he recounts that story. And then he says, everybody here faces a point of decision. We all stand at a crossroads. And for Joshua, he points out three or four different roads that the people could take. He said, you can follow in the way of of the living God, the God who's been with us, the God who's spoken to us, or you can follow in the way of the idols, the idols that are buried underneath our feet, the idols that have been carved of wood or stone, and because they're dead are buried here. Or you can notice that we live in this land where there are a number of other idols that people have made. And people continue to make idols. It's not just that idols are something of the past, but they continue to make new things idols. And so you can follow one of those things. But know this, Joshua says, all of those things are simply carvings. They're representations. They have no capacity to speak. They don't have the capacity to give you life. But each and every one of us have to make a choice. We all of us stand at a crossroads. Joshua said, I've been able to lead you to this point, but my leadership will come to an end. And so I leave you with this legacy, Joshua says. I leave you with the legacy of somebody who's heard the voice of God, heard it because I've lived within the tent, and I've followed after God. And know that as for me and my house, until I... Till my breath is taken away from me, we are going to follow in the ways of God. Joshua understands that his influence is significant, and yet it only lasts for a season. And that's why he calls Israel to this point where he recounts their story. And he says, what is it, what path will you take on into the future? Tim Elmore, in a book where he's writing to parents. Uh, It's a book that was just released this year, 12 Huge Mistakes Parents Can Avoid, suggests that oftentimes parents, um, one one of the big mistakes he suggests is that parents don't understand what Joshua understands. That, that, uh, we actually, we've got to come to this, this place. Well, here's the line. He said, oftentimes parents seek to prepare paths for kids instead of preparing kids for the path of life. That is to say, Joshua, um, to look at it in Joshua's perspective, Joshua could have said, I know that I'm going to be carried to my fathers, but from now on out, you will only do this or you'll only do that. These are the things you must do. But Joshua understands that his influence will wane and that what he really needs to embark is a heart a deep heart that is shaped to follow after God. Because the world, the world that Joshua has known, is going to change. The decisions that, that he's had to face and he's had to make are going to be different for his own kids. And so, Joshua's had to exemplify what it is to live in relationship with God, to follow God faithfully, and then to simply pass that gift of being in relationship with God on to his to the next generation and say, I don't exactly know where the paths 
that you take will lead. But know this, that God is calling you to follow him wherever the paths lead. So Joshua leaves a legacy. What kind of legacy are we leaving? How can we leave a legacy? I'd like to suggest that um, in Joshua's telling of the story, of recounting the story, and of his encouraging of the people of Israel to, to choose that day, that Joshua does a couple of key things. He gives the people some roots, some centeredness, and some, some things that they can hold on to. And at the same time, he gives them freedom and capacity, and he blesses them in making choices for the future. So he gives them wings. He gives them roots, and he gives them wings. Um, one of the things that he does in giving roots is he simply tells a story. When we went out onto the street and we asked people, you know, what are some key things that your parents taught you? What's a key element that your parents taught you? They talked about uh, uh, how their parents interacted with their life, and they told stories. A couple of weeks ago, I was down in Fayetteville, Arkansas at Mount Sequoia. And down there, I was gathered with this group of, fine group of folks who were studying a couple of different things in, in the way of, of United Methodist uh, ministry preparation. And I got to hear lots of stories from the group of folks that I was, I was with. We had a number of questions that came along the way to us. One of the questions was, what, what drew you in your life to God? Another question that we faced was, not only what drew you to God, but, but how did you sense a call to ministry? And so we sat around tables and we, we talked about the stories of our life. It was fascinating to, to me to hear the stories of a, of a number of people that I was in class with. After a while, I started to count up. I was in a class with about 15 people. And I counted up one day that about four of those people didn't complete high school. I mean, didn't complete it in the normal routine or the normal fashion. It was... Uh, they just faced some difficult things with, within the midst of their teenage years. And so they, they dropped out, or they, one guy said, you know, I, just, I was so bored and so tired, I just took the GED. And so I opted out, and I started to go work on an oil rig. You know, if somebody would have looked at their life at that moment when they dropped out, most people would have written them off as like, well, they're not going to... They're not going to have a very fruitful life. But it was fascinating to listen to their stories and to see how God came close and draw near to them and intersected their story in such a way that they not only went to different places in their, in their world, but they're at this place. And many of them are leading some significant enterprises in, in this world, and they're following after God in some significant ways, because God entered into their story, and he blessed them incredibly. Um, their stories were a great blessing to me, and, and they, they all said, in some form or fashion, they said, you know, one of the things that encourages us is the stories that we hear from other people. I don't know what your story is like, but I know that your story is significant. And it's important to somebody. And I don't even know if your story includes at this moment the reality that God is, is significant in your life.
But I know this much, that your story, no matter where you're at, is important and significant. And God wants to be a part of your story. And he wants you to begin telling your story, uh, sharing your story with, with the people who are around you. And, and in particular, your kids or the kids that are in your world find your story fascinating. So if you have a moment from time to time, think about sharing your story. One of the things Tim Emmore says in one of his other books is, is this. He says, you know, our world is filled with information. And most of the young people in our world today, they don't need more information. What they need is interpretation. And stories are significant ways in which the meaning of life comes to the forefront. And people can find interpretation for what they're going through and what they will go through. So Joshua gives roots. The other thing Joshua does is he gives wings. Uh, a week ago, uh, Pastor Jim over the summer had, uh, Pastor Jim, if, if you know him, he loves, he loves to float on the water. He loves to go kayaking and canoeing and all kinds of things. And so we started to put together a trip. And so last Saturday we went on a trip and we floated on the river. And there's Pastor Jim and my two girls floating in Pastor Jim's kayak. Pastor Jim said he got a workout because uh, he got a workout in this. The girls wanted to learn how to kayak, and they wanted to see if they could um, go up and down the river. And so he'd put them in the kayak, and then he'd push them up the river, and then they'd come floating back down, and he'd push them up, and they'd, they'd use the paddles, all form or fashion. Well, in, in some ways, what was happening there is that Pastor Jim and Pastor Bob is, is the same kind of way with my kids because we're a long way away from our family. Those two guys are kind of like surrogate grandpas or surrogate uncles, you know, for my kids. They serve as, as mentors who can teach in some unique forms and, and fashions. And it's, and it's significant. So Pastor Jim is teaching my girls how to kayak. It's a great skill. It's a great confidence builder in life. But, you know, everybody needs a mentor, right? Because they need more than just the voice of the parent speaking into their life. So who could you draw around your own kids, if you've got kids? Who could you draw around your kids? Who could be the voice of reason and wisdom and clarity at different points where they walk in life? Or who could you be a mentor to somebody else's kids? How could you be a mentor to somebody else's kids? Um, I loved a story I heard this week. Think about that picture and one of the other things. Um, there was a story this summer that that NPR put, put on. It was their TED Talk series. They told the story of, of Gever Tully. I think that's how you say his name. He put together a camp, and then he gave a talk on it, Five Dangerous Things You, you Should Let Your Kids Do. He, pu he puts on a summer camp, and he invites the kids to come to camp, and they, they walk into a barn, and on one side of the barn, there are saws and drills and hammers. And on the other side of the barn, there's lumber and, and hinges and all kinds of different things. He says, because every kid needs to interact with this kind of, of stuff. And then if you go online and you watch the TED Talk, he'll show a little video about, of a seven-year-old boy who creates a wooden roller coaster in the backyard. Not just a toy, you know, not something that you can look at, but a real wooden roller coaster that you can ride in and take a ride down. And he said, it's, it's incredible what happens into, a, into the life of a young person when they take on a new task 
that they think is unaccomplishable. But they're given a mentor and somebody who says that you can do something, and then they do it and they embark upon it. Um, I don't know if you all know this, but Brent Bollinger has been our media director here at Schweitzer for about 18 or 20 months, and this is Brent's last Sunday. But Brent, this summer, began to do that same kind of thing that Geber Tully did, in that he started to invite a bunch of young people around Schweitzer to come and learn things, uh, learn about cameras, and learn about uh, lenses, and learn how to do some film work. And so here is Brent working with some teenagers, and they're creating a little video that was shown up at the at the youth gathering this last Wednesday night, and it's the, the youth announcements. Brent is sort of modeling what it is to mentor somebody else and to teach somebody else skills and confidence. I want you to see this video because it's, it's pretty funny. He's doing a good work in mentoring, and there's some other things that could come along the way. You got that video? kids for youth choir. We meet Sunday nights twice a month at 530 in Memorial Hall. We especially need boys. This year we will be performing around Christmas time for the semester. It's for anyone. We need you to bring friends. If you're interested, contact Mary. See you there. Crowder is coming to Remington's and is right around the corner on September 30th. Tickets are $20. Crowder is known for his high energy and fun atmosphere. This is a show you won't want to miss. Confirmation has officially kicked off. They're having a great time with Mr. and Mrs. Knopf at 9.45 a.m. in the worship room. If you are a student, 7th or 8th grade, and you want to learn more about the church and possibly become a member of Schweitzer, then that is the class for you. Hope to see you there. Hi guys, we've changed the date of paintball. This time it's on November 16th. Time slot is still 2 to 6 and bring $35 and will cover the cost of the year as well as 500 rounds. Bring your friends because it's an awesome time. Wait, no. You get to shoot your friends. <sighs> oh! <Baseball! laughs> Did you know bees only work their whole lives just to get about an ounce of honey? I want you to think about this very hard. What color is a mirror? Ponder that thought. The next big thing this week is a light up glass basketball court. Just imagine you're playing with all your friends, you know, and then you're like, I don't really like this wood floor because it's too lame. But then you walk in and all of a sudden it's like a dance party almost and everything's lighting up and everything's amazing. There's a thing for that. Now you can actually have a reason to take your glow up basketballs everywhere. Because I don't really get the point of those because, I mean, nobody uses them outside. They only use them for regular play. But now you actually have a place to play with them because regular basketballs are way too mainstream. Trust me. It's 
Mentors do great work, don't they? And they still have work to do when you see stuff like that. It's uh, um, you know, one of the things that's it's kicking off this next week is practicing prayer. You think, uh, you know, how do you, how, do you, how do you mentor somebody else or how do you leave a legacy? Your prayer is really significant. It's a significant thing in, in, that we do. It's, it's actually not just a thing that we do. It's, a, it's something that we're called to. It's a practice of connecting with God. And if you want to leave a legacy, what better way than to embark on living out a prayer life, an active prayer life? practicing getting better at praying, no matter what age you are. In fact, one of the things I, I think is kind of astounding is that kids tend to love to practice praying. And they just, they get it along the way, because when you listen to a kid pray, you're like, man, I wish I could pray like that. Well, why can't you? Why can't you embark on practicing prayer? Why can't we all grow in that? So Joshua, right, he comes to the end of his days. And he's looking out on these people that he loves and he cares about. He knows their strengths and their weaknesses. He knows where they've been victorious. He knows where they've succumbed to the culture around them. He knows that God longs to walk with them wherever it is that they go. He knows the challenges that they'll face. He knows that he himself can't go with them on the journey. But God does. In fact, just as the Lord has spoken, the Lord, he knows, will continue to speak. And so Jesus comes along, and Jesus says this, follow me. And Jesus is always saying to us, to the generation before us, to the generation that comes after us, Jesus is always saying, follow me. The great question that we face and that all the generations that come behind us face is this. Will we listen to the one who is, who says, follow me? Amen.